everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. I'm not a prophet, but I'm here to profit. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? <laughs> I am very well. How yeah, are you? Very well. You have a different, now that I've already, now that I called you out that you were always awesome, now you have a different comeback every time. Well, all right. <laughs> After well... Uh, and good. I'm gonna I'm, have to start, you know, looking up in the thesaurus or something. Yeah, like peachy. I'm peachy. Hmm. I'm Damn. Like, now I can't use that one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just just rattle off everyone I can think of right now just to jam you up. But what are you drinking? I am drinking Shiner White Wing. It Shiner. Is a Belgian White. Yes. Texas beer. Belgian style wheat. Ale brewed with coriander and orange peel, and Not it is bad. very tasty. Mm. I'm actually drinking a uh, uh, a French wine called a Beaujolais. It's one of my favorites. Uh, uh, Louis Jadot, I believe, is the name of the winery, and it's very good. And that's all I am drinking, and I'm almost done it, so I may have to run upstairs and get some more. But, guys, before we get started today, if you have a question about personal finance... Shoot us an email with your question to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Also, we want your submissions for catchphrases at the beginning of the show, and you can send them via Twitter at Money Matters Man. That's our Twitter account. And today's catchphrase is, I'm not a prophet, but I'm here to profit, which is a song by the band Fun. And it was brought to us by our guest today, Patrick Keneally. He's a listener, and we're going to talk about how to research investments. <laughs> don't sound so excited you don't man. think is that false <laughs> excitement I, my hands are literally raised to the ceiling right now you have you're not you can't see me but they I, I promise you they are patrick how are you sir i'm fantastic how are you guys doing very good very good glad to have you on man oh thanks for having me on you are uh you're you're you keep up with us on facebook you keep up with us through email and yeah. you actually know a thing or two about personal finance yeah i'm a regular listen money matters stalker so <sighs> Yeah. Hey, we Believe love stalkers. <laughs> we love stalkers, and especially someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, uh, more than me, you could say. So, yeah. I think right. it's all of our listeners by now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, rag God, on me. I can't, I can't <laughs> hot shots, man. I just can't help myself. No, feel free. So, all right. Uh, you had mentioned in an email that you had some things to talk about. You work for a company, I think, that you've been doing this for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I guess my first experience with it, uh, when I was in grad school uh, back in like 2009, I, uh, some kid got up at one of the classes and he pitched this, uh, this group called the 360 Huntington Fund. That was a, it was a student-run mutual fund that uh, Northeastern University had. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first heard that, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a bit familiar with those ideas. Like the, uh, they'll allow you to have faux money and trade it against the real market and uh. you get to see how you're doing. But uh, I, I heard it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's just stupid. So I'm talking to the kid afterward and uh, he's like, no, 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 dude, we trade a, a portion of the school's endowment. So we had in our coffers uh, – anywhere from like three to 500 grand that we were actively trading in the stock market. Wait, they were trading the school's money? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like people would donate money to the school and, uh, and we, were out, we were allowed to trade a portion of that. What that school is was, so cool. Yeah, what school was this? Uh, Northeastern University in Boston. And all right, so is that a private or public school? It's uh, a, a private school. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so it makes it a little bit more legal. <laughs> and so who came up with the 360 Huntington Fund? Uh, well, uh, Northeastern University is located on Huntington Ave. Okay. And uh, the address is 360 for the main building. So it, uh, So that's where they came up with it. Yeah, it rings in with that. And then, you know, 360, the whole idea of like turning in a complete circle. So it's catchy. And you went to school for finance. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, w I was going back to school for my MBA at the time. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great idea. I wound up uh, getting in with that group. And uh, the really cool thing was as I'm going to those meetings, you know, night after night, I was able to uh, tack on credit for my degree. So uh, oh. I didn't have to take other other classes. You know, That's I'm getting cool. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's real life experience. 
extracurricular activities that apply to credits. <laughs> Absolutely. So what'd you learn? Yeah, so we, uh, we did a number of things for, uh, for valuation. Like, and I won't, I won't bore your listeners with, uh, like the nitty gritty. Like if they want to, they can look up things like a uh, free cash flow and, you know, how to do like a, a DuPont calculation. But uh, one of the, the big items for stock valuation is really just kind of understanding the company. And uh, you want to act like you're investing in a company or buying an actual company because when it comes right down to it, you are buying a piece of a company. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of easy ways that, that just, you know, average Joe can do that. So uh, one of the, the sites that I always direct people to, like before they buy any stock is to, um, if you Google like SEC and, uh, and Edgar, then uh, that's where, where all of like the 10Ks and 10Qs are, are loaded. So any company that's on the stock market, uh, in order to be public, they have to file uh, paperwork every quarter, which is a, a 10Q. Or a uh, or a 10k at the end of a year, so you can you have the right to look at a company's income statement, their balance sheet, their cash flow statement, and, uh, and if, if you know what you're looking at, that can help you make an educated decision on whether or not you're going to purchase that company. And this is a site run by the SEC. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, at the end of every year, every public company needs to have their financial statements audited by an external third-party auditing firm. And then those financial statements are sent to the SEC. They're loaded up in the public records so that any citizen can pull them from a website before they decide to invest into the company. It's just a part of due diligence. So I know we have uh, some financial nerds who listen, like, like you and, and some <laughs> other people wrote in, and, and a lot of people are, are pretty passive. Uh, what kind of stuff specifically should they look for in this document, or like why would they even care to open this document? All right. Well, um, to my point earlier, like you're, you're really – if you were going to buy a company mm-hmm. – then you would never just say, oh, hey, I'll give you like $1,000 for this company. You would want to know, well, what does the company bring in for, for money? You know, what's your revenue? What are your average expenses every year? You know, how much money do you have in your bank account today? You know, how much debt do you have today? So you need to know all of those things in order to value a company. And, and it's your right to look at any public company and pull that information down. Like if you just, like Andrew, I know you're a big guy with, with Tesla, like you wouldn't just invest in Tesla because you think things are going to turn out fantastic in the future and just this kind of this pie in the sky idea. Mm-hmm. Like hell, maybe maybe Tesla took out like $10 million in, uh, in loans and, uh, and they're not generating enough revenue in order to to meet the payments on those loans so all of that information would be available in their 10k at the end of the year they would have to detail it out so let me ask you patrick because um say you know tesla made a profit of five million dollars which they didn't um (laughs) but uh you know you have the five million dollars from tesla and then mcdonald's also made five million dollars you know uh profit uh these five million dollars are not made equal so how do you put something like uh, profit in perspective for a specific company? Yeah, well, first, you need to know the, the industry that you're looking at. I mean, obviously, Tesla, you're, you're looking at clean tech or, or automotive, whereas McDonald's is more like retail food industry. So you're going to have different values for, as you mentioned, their, their revenue, their costs in any given month will be different. Uh, they're of uh, yeah. They could have different inventories. I'd assume you're not buying the same thing if you work at McDonald's versus uh, versus Tesla. You know you've got parts for cars versus hamburger buns, and it, it's just a good idea to look at those numbers and do some quick uh, ratios. Like the the SEC site, that's a way to pull the actual 10K that gets filed. 
but if you were to go to Google and type in uh, investing in business week, that will bring up a, uh, a website that it has all the 10 Ks available and it kind of, it gives you the financial statements as well as uh, some ratio calculations for you. So this is a site that I always go to before I purchase any share of stock. So um, I, I've definitely been on this site before, and and I, I personally love PE because it's it's easy. But like, what other like core ratios might you look at? Like, w- yeah, and, and like, how can you tell if the ratio is good or bad? Like a PE, for example, of thirteen, like could be meaningless without some kind of grounding. context. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. So one of the one of the neat things about the uh, the investing business week site is it gives you uh, other companies down towards the bottom of it. So it tells you other competitors that you would want to look at while looking mm. uh, like at Tesla or at McDonald's. And uh, it will give you say a PE calculation and it will tell you what the industry average is for that. So it, it makes it a little, e- a little easier for you to kind of base that decision on, on are these guys, are they doing good or are they doing bad? Um, like a quick calc that I always do is just to calculate uh, working capital of any company, which is very basic. It's just taking the current assets for, on the balance sheet and subtracting the current liabilities. And that's just letting you know, like your assets are their goods that you have on hand, whether it's uh, in, like cash or investments and uh, current being it's it will be transferred over into cash or it could be within 12 months. So you take those current assets and you subtract the current liabilities, which are debts that are due over the next 12 months. And that will give you either a positive or a negative number. So if it's positive, then you can feel pretty comfortable that the company can at least meet the short-term debts that it has coming up in the future. I have to ask an idiot question. Oh, go right ahead. If you don't mind. So I'm looking at, I just went on to the investingbusinessweek.com website that you sent us, and we'll put these in the show notes, of course. And mm-hmm. I, because we're talking about Tesla, and I'm somewhat familiar with it, uh, I'm looking at the snapshot, the overall view, and I'm looking at, is is it, the number that I want to look at is P slash E, TM, uh, it says. Let me hop into that site. It, it has I, a blank line. Does that mean I can only view it while the market is open? It, it hasn't been around long enough for so, there to be a PE ratio yet. Right. So it, oh. PE is specifically uh, price to earnings. Mm-hmm. So it takes the uh, the price of Tesla and it divides it by the earnings. So if your earnings are negative or, or zero, then... It shows nothing. It shows nothing. Okay, so... I'm just I'm looking at this snapshot for Tesla. Mm-hmm. I want to know as a moron investor what numbers I should be looking at to indicate. I mean, obviously, I see the scale goes up. I mean, it, you can see the graph, and it goes <laughs> up, then it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down. But what 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 number should I be focusing on here? So I would uh, here. Let's do a quick. I'll do a quick. Uh, Easy calculation based on the data. That yeah, because I'm because you know what you sent me the I went to the SEC website and I mm-hmm. just I it, yeah. right right it'll uh, it'll blow your head up. Yeah, <laughs> my eyes glazed over and I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, it's government run. <laughs> right, that's true. So the uh, one of the things that I always like to do uh-huh. is I'll take the uh, I'll, I'll take the like number of shares, the outstanding shares. So you can see oh. for Tesla. Yeah. You've got like 124 million. Yes. So take that number and multiply it by the, uh, say, the, the price right now, the current share price of Tesla. Uh, so, so times it by that? Yeah, multiply it by that. So that would give you like a rough number of if I were going to purchase the company, I would, this is what I would have to pay in order to buy the whole thing. Because so, the shares outstanding are the total number of shares in the market. Oh, it's 124 million shares. Yes. Oh, well, I did that calculation. I was like, only $23,000 for Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> see, this is how like stupid I am. So let's no, no, see. That, that's fine. 
All right, I'm looking at 124 million shares, and I times that by the price, which has the last price was $190. I'm rounding, yeah. by the way. It's fine. Uh, times 190 equals, holy crap. Uh, I have billions here. Oh, yeah. It's oh, okay. Probably, I have probably $23 worth. billion. Dollars. Yeah, so if uh, so, this will give you a rough number. Ideally, you would then take that number mm-hmm. and you'd add on any any debt that the company has, any liabilities. Where and you can't find that here. You have to find you, that. You can. If you, uh, you'll see a financials number. Uh-huh. Financials tab. Right. Yeah. So you tap, click on the financials tab. Got it. And then it will give you a bunch of financial statements. Sure. And uh, you'll see income statement, balance sheet, cash flow. Yep. So you'll get the the debt in the balance sheet. So if you click on the balance sheet, another, it will reload. And then you'll see a little further down, like, yeah, total liabilities. So your total liabilities, those are, that's debt that you owe other people. So you you take that billion dollar number that you have. Uh Uh-huh. Add in these liabilities, since you would also need to pay this if you bought Tesla. Oh, I see. And then you subtract any cash that Tesla currently has on hand. Since if you bought Tesla, you would also own that cash. Now, what I'm looking at, I'm seeing uh, for December of 2010, it's 179.0. Is that in the millions, in the thousands? 179. Yeah, it should say that's in millions. Oh. Okay, so that number drastically changes then. Right. And that's the true worth of the company. Yeah, that's the if you were to buy this company outright, you would expect to pay that much. And then if you then here's the clincher, right? You take that number, so the market times the shares, add on the debt, subtract the cash. Take that total number that you come up with and divide that by the the stockholders' equity. Or in um, in this balance sheet, you'll see a number for uh, total total equity. So mm-hmm. the equity is really like who owns the company and how much how much the company is is deemed to be to be worth on paper, like a book value number. Got it. So this will give you. It should be a number around like a single digit number, ideally, right? So if, if that number is less than one, then that means that the company is selling below the book value. So if a company is selling below its book value, then it's definitely undervalued, right? But if you get a higher number, then that means the price in the market is worth more than the book value. So what's the better number like should i be looking at numbers that are over one or above one or under one or above one so if you're looking for an obvious deal yeah then you'd want something below one oh, like a, okay. a lot of value investors they won't even look at companies that have a number higher than two because that means that remember that first calculation was the we used the market price and we multiplied it by the outstanding shares so if it's over two then that means the top number is really big so it's assuming that the market price of that stock is is pretty high or higher than the financial statements would justify so that would mean that the stock could potentially go up because there's room for improvement if it's below one yes oh yeah if it's below one it means it most likely will go up because it any company at the at the very least needs to be worth what their financial statements say like any stock it trades on two fundamental principles that uh just the the company's financial value like what uh what is it worth you know it, you take the assets and and the liabilities and and you figure out the uh like how much cash it has on hand so mm. just a mathematical calculation and then the emotion of it you know and andrew gave a great example of this a couple episodes ago where um, weren't there some sort of fires for Tesla and the mm. price just plunged. You know, and if you think about it, the financial statements of Tesla, they created a certain value the day before those fires. And 
And you can almost bet that they didn't change very much the day after the fires. So what would have driven that price down? And it's just the emotion that runs in the market. So I want to I want to go a little further on that uh, because we're we're talking about balance sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, Yahoo uh, owns a significant portion of this company, Alibaba, which is like the Amazon of China. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, if you subtract Yahoo's holdings of Alibaba, um, which is a, which is a significant portion of like the value of Yahoo, it actually turns out that Yahoo's the valuation of Yahoo's business is negative. And Yahoo as a company does make money. So how might you explain that? Well, I'm not too familiar with uh, with Alibaba. Is that for, um, so you're saying Yahoo's? Uh, they, they, they basically, they had bought this company way back when they first started and it, they're mm-hmm. turning out to be like, they're, they're IPOing, it's going to be like 160 billion Amazon competitor, but they're based in China. Right. Okay, so you're saying that the value of Alibaba is negative, not the value of Yahoo. Ah, uh, so okay, so so sorry, it was maybe like a confusing example, but I guess like Yahoo owns a stake in Alibaba, mm-hmm. and Yahoo is worth X. But when you remove the stake in Alibaba from Yahoo, like these these um their profits, law. I mean, sorry, their assets, their liabilities, uh, the valuation of it is is like below one, right? So it's Below book value, yeah. So it, the company it's a, it's a itself, negative. yeah, the company itself is below book value, but because Yahoo's in it, it's inflating it. Okay, is that what That's you're saying? It. Yeah, like they basically people were valuing Yahoo's business as less than zero. Mm-hmm. All right, so that uh, if if the book value, well, if you're removing that number from like the outstanding shares. So you're dropping the numerator, which would bring it closer to the the book value. I I think that's what you're saying. Then if it means that Yahoo is a number less than one, then Yahoo's stock price has room to increase. That's what that would mean. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it would. It doesn't mean that it will. Like that's the weird thing. Like when I was in the 360 Huntington Fund, there were a lot of kids that were a hell of a lot more intelligent than I am. And they would do calculations based on financial statements, based on like just high-level numbers, discounted cash flow. And they'd get a number that meant the stock price would increase. And hell, three months later, six months later, it, it didn't. So it, it doesn't always do that. Like That's why investing in a single stock is risky. But mm. it's even more risky to just say, Oh hey, well I like this company, so I'm uh, I'm going to invest in them because I like them. Like you, you deserve it, like to yourself, to, just to do some sort of due diligence. And like Andrew always says, you should only invest in companies that you understand. Like you should be able to just shoot the shit with someone. Like hey, here's why I'm investing in this company. You know, they create this. I like this idea. Their long-term strategy for you know whether it be electric cars or uh, or the way they make hamburgers is right. is really going to help like you should be able to have that conversation with someone so like, m- like like Andrew does with Tesla but not like he does with Alibaba right like I, I Andrew you don't know anything about Alibaba as a company it's in China right yeah I, I know very little about them yeah so uh, this this um, ca- these calculations that we just walked through that you uh, is this something that like is there a calculator online that already like determines this number, or is this something you're gonna have to do every time? It's uh, well, it's something that I would I would try to do every time. So it doesn't yeah. already exist as a number that's printed so, on a snapshot. So the site that that we were looking at, the investing.businessweek.com. Yes. So if you uh, if you're still in that financials tab, mm-hmm. you'll see a ratios. Yes. Tab underneath that. So this will give you a lot of a lot of those different numbers. I see. Like it'll it'll tell you return on assets and you'll see you'll see one like little hashtag in there in each section and then you'll see another for like the industry average. And this kind of tells you where the company is in relation to its oh, competitors. Yeah, it's like super small. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it, so by this, it means that the company is it's keeping up with its competitors. Oh, so if it's so if the uh, if the company you're looking up is close to the industry average, that's a good thing. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, you're. I mean, I I admit that I'm completely clueless about this stuff, so I'm just trying to understand the num like the numbers that I'm looking at because this is mm-hmm. like already overwhelming for me, and uh, I w- like. I wish there was a big fat number, big fat green (laughs) number that said invest in this stock or a big red number that said don't invest in this stock. You know, after, of course, you ask yourself, is this a company I really want to invest in? So, for instance, if it's uh, like a company like Apple, who I love, I use all their products. I'm very familiar with their company. I read all the news that comes out of that company. But if I went on to look at them up on this website, if I typed in their stock ticker number or their stock ticker, you know, whatever they call it, the short code, the symbol, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to look at the spreadsheet and know, and not know what the, f- you know, what the fuck I'm looking at. Be quite yeah, honest. Yeah. I got you. And that's, uh, so all of these ratios, these are just, you know, they're quantitative numbers. Uh-huh. Like there's, there's a tab for, uh, for news mm-hmm. up here and it like, and, uh, there's, there's people. So it talks about like, who's, Who's in the company? Like, I really love the news section because that that'll help you drive kind of the the emotional aspect of it. So, when you buy stocks, individual stocks, we're talking about here, which mm-hmm. you know we we know is risky. Yeah. Right. So, first, you have to ask yourself, and I'm and I'm gonna like I'm I'm walking myself through this because this is how I would approach it. So, let's say I want to buy a stock in something I just don't know yet, and so I have to sit down and ask myself, okay. What do I use every single day or what am I very, very familiar with? What company do I, do I follow immensely and that are publicly traded? And I guess in this example, I will use Apple. So I decide, okay, I would like to invest in Apple stock. So I go on to – now this, I, these like snapshots and stuff, I've seen these on multiple websites. Mm-hmm. And I've been on ShareBuilder. I've been on E-Trade. It's, I guess they're all kind of the same, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I, so I go and look at it. Now – uh, let's say I don't really have that much money. Let's say I have like a thousand dollars to invest. Uh, b- besides the uh, the calculations that, and we're gonna put these calculations in this in this equation in the show notes because I need to know what this is. And you should probably have it like on your desk if you're interested in this sort of stuff. This this calculation, right? Is that would that be a, a good idea? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd run through a couple calculations that you're comfortable with mm-hmm. whether they be the so the one that we just talked about that was the uh, the price to book ratio and you know using the market cap and dividing it by the by the book value yeah yeah so whether it's that uh whether it, it's like a simple working capital calculation you should do something that you're that you're comfortable with and you understand what it means i see so so i do these calculations and then i, I buy it well, yeah, well, if and if it's if, oh, well, if the calculations come out to the numbers that are in in that are good, which and like I said, like I'm, I don't even remember what you what you the the equation that you said. So I'm gonna have to write it down, and I will put it <laughs> out there so that way I can reference it and then start to slowly understand what it means. You know, I understand like what you what that number like. All right, so we we come out with a number that's. What it goes from negative to positive, so it's a uh, negative one to say negative two or pl- positive two. Yeah, so so what's, would, how low does that number go? Does it go like all the way down to like negative four hundred, or does it never you, go? It shouldn't be like a negative number. It, at most, it will be it will be less than one. Okay, or it will be if a stock price is very very high in comparison to the book value of the company, then you might get like a like a ten. Okay. And is that now? That's probably a, a sign that it that that stock price is inflated for some other reason. Exactly. So I is see. it like a company like Tesla? Maybe it's inflated because people just believe the shit out of it, uh-huh. and they think that it's going to grow. And they're saying, you know, there's no way. I don't believe in fossil fuels. We can't keep doing this. Now, maybe they think that hey, oil companies are just like in bed with car companies, and they think at some point this company is going to be worth a lot more. So 
them purchasing it will drive the market price up. But the book value of Tesla may not be indicative of that market price. And if it's fine if you want to buy that, mm -hmm. but you need to understand the story. You need to be able to explain to people, well, this is why I think it's it's worth this. You know, not just say, well, yeah, they're uh, you know, well, I like I like uh, cars and I like uh, electricity. So <laughs> right. What company can I invest in if I like these two things? Right. Anytime you invest in a in a single stock, it's always it's inherently more risky than putting your money into, you know, like a, a mutual fund that tracks the index. And if if you're uncomfortable with doing that, yeah, I would just hop onto a site like Betterment. You guys are always talking about. Yeah. And, I mean, I used the the shit out of that. I I just rolled over an IRA into Betterment. Oh, and, uh, how easy was that to do? Oh, well, like it's crazy easy. Okay, my crazy. brother wants to do that. So it's uh, the only crap thing is you can't do a direct rollover. So you have to do an indirect, which means you take your current IRA, you completely cash it out. They'll send you a check for that money. You deposit the check into your account, and then you call Betterment, and they'll pull that check. From your account, and they don't. And get, there are no there are no tax implications. No, for like that? yeah, no, no penalties. If you tell your current IRA company that you're doing an indirect IRA rollover, they will not take any taxes out, and they'll they won't hold the penalty back. They won't hold the taxes. But here's the kicker: you need to roll that money over within sixty days. Okay. So whenever that your current investment company cuts that check. You have 60 days to get it into Betterment. If you don't do that, the government's going to come after your ass big time. Mm, that would not be good. No, not not at all. But 60 days, that, like I cashed mine out, geez, on like the uh, sixth of a month. And I had the check before the 15th. So it was like six days. So at that point, you've got, you know, you've got like 54 days to make a move. How do you... Uh... You mentioned mutual funds, or 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 just uh, mutual funds are not the same as ETFs, right? Uh, no, no. The uh, so ETFs are generally they're traded more like stocks. Like the ETF is just an exchange traded fund, so okay. it's it's kind of like a mutual fund that is traded. Uh, it, yeah, it's traded in the stock market, so it's constantly the price of it is constantly rising and falling throughout the market day. Oh, so how do you research mutual funds? So um, mutual fund is, it should just be a collection of different stocks that okay. are added together. So yeah, typically you, like you'll, you'll be in a mutual fund and that mutual fund will be investing in a number of different stocks. I see. Okay. That and was one of, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to just say like, how do you research that? Like which oh, one like to go, a, which one to get into? Oh, well there's uh. I usually, I'll do that on Morningstar. Okay. Like for, I guess if you were going to buy different different funds at Vanguard or Fidelity. So Morningstar has a, uh, I think if you Google like Morningstar compare tool, there's a, it will tell you not only what the return is, but uh, what the, the expense ratio is for mutual funds, which is, I'd say that's more important. So like a lot of times, uh, the reason I went to Betterment is I was in a, a mutual fund at Fidelity that was professionally managed and they were hitting me with a fee every quarter that was well over 1%. And uh, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I know what I'm doing. Why in the hell am I paying these people to do it for me? Mm. And really, if you're in Betterment, you don't even have to know what you're doing. You're right. They do it for you. Yeah. And it's super cheap. Yeah. So uh, you, you had actually sent us this awesome email before you came on, and uh, you included uh, two companies, one of which I, I had heard of, Robinhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping to get early access soon. And another one is Loyal3. Could you mm -hmm. tell us a little about these? Because they're pretty awesome, and I think they're going to be disrupting the investment space. Yeah, I, I certainly hope you're, you're right about that, Andrew. So, uh, I, so Robinhood, is, as you mentioned, it's... Uh, I think that's a that's a site where you it's just like zero commission trading and I don't know that it's even live yet but uh, it's supposed to just be straight like trading on the uh, on the Nasdaq or New York Stock Exchange for no commission 
Mm. For uh, Loyal 3 is a little different where they you don't get to choose the the market price during the day. It's uh, it's meant just to like help beginners get uh, get involved with the stock market. So if there's uh, first off not all companies are available on Loyal 3. Mm-hmm. And what you do is right. you you'll put up like $10 you know, $50, maybe $100, and just say, oh, I really like this company, buy me a, a couple shares or a fraction of some of the shares here. And then you'll, they'll stay on Loyal 3 and they'll, it will show as it slowly grows. But that's all you pay for. There's no, there's no commission when you make the trade. So when Robinhood goes live, it, it should cover everything of, of Loyal 3 and more, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it will. And just like personally, one of the things that I've always hated is you, know, you buy stocks and you know, I'm not trading at huge volumes. So if I buy like 10 shares of something, you know, there's, there's at least a $5 charge applied to that. And then mm. when, I, when I sell them, thinking that there's a profit, I'm paying another $5. Right. So if I haven't at least made $10 on that trade, then um, it's a net zero. So I'm losing money anyways. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when I was researching Robinhood, it's awesome that they're providing no fees. And I was curious, you know, like how could they possibly provide no fees? Like what's the catch? And it actually turns out they're, uh, they're funded by Google's investment arm. So mm-hmm. they don't even have to make a profit yet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's beautiful. I mean, a company like that, if it were to go live, like the investment banks would just be completely bullshit. Well, yeah, you know what's weird is 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 Robinhood gonna single handedly stop uh, high frequency trading? Com- <laughs> it, it's it's completely uh, like separate, like okay. not related. Like, so if you think of it like this, like we pay ten dollars for each trade because we're trading such small amounts of money. But uh, like Goldman has a direct link with the exchanges, and the only cost that they pay is the cost to run all of their massive hardware to actually make the trades. So when we trade through someone like Goldman, um, we pay them like a fee, like a like a toll, like over a bridge, mm-hmm. you know. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I like the idea of Robinhood. It I, is. I, the name itself is freaking excellent. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Steal from awesome. the rich, baby. Yeah, steal from the rich, give to the people who want to become rich. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, Andrew, I don't, I don't, you know, this is uh, eye-opening and also overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, uh, digging into the numbers is is tough. Yeah. I, I think uh, what uh, Pat kind of pointed us to on the investment piece of of Bloomberg Business Week is. Uh, like you can go to the financials of a specific company and then the ratios. So you don't necessarily have to go crazy and calculate everything. And I don't think that you need to be completely knowledgeable of the full 10K, but you can make judgment calls based on that comparison to other companies in the sector. You know, if you look at Apple and Tesla, two different sector companies, uh, but you could also compare the profitability and stuff like that and kind of get an idea. And I think uh, going through some of the like the motions, like what Pat described, is important. Is because uh, it's important because you need to, like he said, uh, understand more than just the fluffy high level. This company is good, type thing. Is there like a chart? <laughs> is there a chart <laughs> available online or somewhere that are here are the things you here are the uh, data points that you should look at, and here's the. All right, I'm. I mean, I'm going to try to give a weird example of what I'm what I'm trying to describe. So, not everyone's going to understand this, but it'll help me. So, when I test pool water, <laughs> I I use a dip strip, and it has a color, and you compare that color to this color range. So, in the case of pH, you have those litmus strips that you dip into the uh to the water, and you compare the color to the thing. So, a light color might be. Uh, a yellow and a dark color might be red, and that's the spectrum of where you measure it. And depending on what color your litmus strip is, it determines how good or low your pH is, and then there's a, a middle ground where you want to be. Is there some sort of like 
chart or visual display that says like this company is in the red area and not doing so well and maybe you want to hold off of investing and then this company is in the green and maybe you now you love this company maybe you should invest in it or they're doing really well are there things like that available online that are for free am i even Uh, am i even making any sense (laughs) so, so you're making sense and i think that uh it's not such an absolute Okay. Like thing. Like there's like so many variables. With, with yeah. pH, okay. the the water is either going to be very acidic yeah. or it's going to be very base basic, I yes, guess yes, maybe. Yes. Basic. So, um with with stock like and, and these numbers, it's more how things compare in relation to other companies. Because uh if we're talking about in December of 2008, everything's going to be super cheap because everyone is so fearful that the world is going to end. Mm-hmm. However, if we were talking about October or, or you know April of two thousand eight, everyone was the stock market can only go up. You know everything is beautiful. Same thing in two thousand before the crash. So uh, it, it's hard to know an absolute value. And I think if you compare companies, so for example, if you look at the PE ratio, the price to earnings, so the cost of the stock based on how much earnings the company makes, like you. If you can consider, you know, you'd get a share of their earnings, hypothetically. Right. If you look at Microsoft, their PE is 15.09. I don't find them to be a very inspiring company. And I don't really find them to be growing that but much. But is 15.09 a good number? Now, if you compare it to Apple, which I think is a pretty ridiculously awesome company, it's the most profitable on the planet that that I am aware of. I don't mm-hmm. think there's another one. Mm-hmm. Uh they're innovating all this stuff. Their PE is 14.19. So, so it's less. Two, yeah, so two companies that are both deep tech and they're they're competitors in many areas. Apple is actually cheaper than Microsoft. So, not to say like oh my god everyone buy Apple, but you know, when you do comparisons like that, it gives you food for thought to kind of help you decide you know, if it's if it's a good decision to buy that company. Yeah, like a PE really tells you kind of what what investors are willing to pay for a stock. So a, a high PE would be indicative that investors think there's going to be future growth. I say. Which is if Tesla had a PE, I think it would be really high because it's probably an overbought stock. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, like if you look at uh, Amazon, I think it's A M Z N is their stock ticker. So Amazon is their PE. They're very profitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I'm sorry, they're not a very profitable company because they keep their margins razor thin. Yeah, they're super low. So their price to earnings ratio is 466. Uh, so if you're talking about buying into earnings, they'd be an enormously expensive company, especially in comparison to Apple. But people buy them because they expect a certain level of growth. Yeah, like valuation is really, it's more of an art form than a financial calculation. Ah, okay. That's why I say like find a couple things that you're comfortable with and, uh, and, and just research the hell out of that. Like you don't have to, you don't have to run through the, the 10K to get familiar with it. Like this, this business week site makes it pretty easy, but the, like the 10K will detail out what the company's been doing, what they what they're expecting in the future. Most people who invest, they're, they're not looking at that stuff. And if I were going to give someone my money, I would want to know that. Right. And to further Pat's point, like I'm sorry, I keep calling you Pat, Patrick. <laughs> to further <laughs> Patrick's point, uh, like most people don't know this information, and I would go so far as to say is many professionals who who buy and sell and and are you know, behind the scenes in, in large mutual funds don't necessarily look at all these things or, or even know how to uh, make the right decision. Most people don't beat the average, the market average. So it, it's, it's very risky going into an individual company. Very. Yeah, and I like the idea of when you choose a stock that you want to buy, act as if you're buying the actual company. I like like that mm-hmm. thought process to me. That makes sense to me. And I actually uh, had an analogy in my head that, and this may be bad or good, I don't know. Uh, but when you let it, let's say you took a look at marriage and you, and marriage was a business decision, 
which I know I'm going to eventually look at it that way. And before, then you may never, then it yeah, may never yeah, happen. For may, you. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But how, but I mean, how interesting would it be if you were deciding that you wanted to marry this person and you took a look at all their financial statements and you said, okay, well, you have a lot of debt and you don't make that much money. And therefore, when I marry you, I'm going to inherit your debt and you're not going to be able to help me pay stuff. So financially, it would be a not a wise decision to marry this person. And we're putting love aside, by the way. No, no, I, I think that's a fantastic question to ask. And that's something that my wife and I ask each other. You know, and it wasn't just a, well, hey, if this person's financial history is shitty, I'm going to cut them loose. Mm-hmm. But more of, you know, why do you think this way? And uh, it, that was actually one of the things uh, I, I just wanted to mention, like the idea of you guys, you know, I know it's, you know, Listen Money Matters is your own site. You've got this podcast out there. I think it's fantastic. When uh, when I was in grad school, uh, I was in this entrepreneurial class mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, we developed this product to help teach millennials about money. Oh, and we uh, we did this like really invasive survey just to find out if there was any sort of market demand for it. And we found like there were two facts that really rang true with us. Number one was uh, people between the ages of like 18 to 30, they really wanted to know about this stuff. So you guys just talking about it as two like average guys, you know, one of them understands the market. The other one is just asking basic questions. Kids want to know this, you know, or help. Really, we're talking about adults if you're up to 30. People want to hear this stuff. And the other thing was parents of people between the ages of like 40 up to 60, they didn't feel comfortable teaching this information to their kids. In fact, they felt more embarrassed about talking about money than they did about sex with their kids. Wow. Yeah. Like, what does that tell you about today's, you know, kids growing up and coming out of college That's they've got no scary. education oh it's it's as scary as hell and you need to have you know things like miss listen money matters the fact that you're around i think it just it, it's doing a tremendous good yeah and i think uh, uh pat patrick uh, yeah. thank you so yeah. much for that yeah, that was, absolutely. yeah. for sure <laughs> i mean i couldn't we couldn't pay for a better review and i <laughs> And the fact that you did the research and and know that it's such a big problem. I mean, we're just two nerds who ha- happen to have microphones, you know. Well, you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I took the bot shot. I took it. No, I mean, no, seriously, thank you. And uh, I think we – I hope that what we're talking about and, and, and the way we deliver the information is uh, – easily digestible to millennials and uh people who are not millennials anybody really i wish i had this if i mean i wish i had an, an entertaining podcast to listen to about money when i was trying to be, become better with money you know so yeah no i really appreciate it seriously oh, oh yeah absolutely like the best that we had when we were younger was you know you listen to npr right. and they, you know, <laughs> they're, they're rattling off like stock prices like everyone knows what the hell they're talking about yeah, and that's why I had to like when I you know when you were talking some you know a lot of the things you're talking about I need to understand it you know I need to kind of lay it out in a format that like my brain can process. Yeah, yeah. so Let I me hope... apologize to all your listeners if uh, if I confused anyone. No, I, I you know what though <laughs> I, I think the I, most confusing part was my question. To you. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think I got it. Like I think it it makes way like I like the idea again that. Uh, when you look at buying a stock, you're buying it as if you're buying the entire company. Like, would you would you want this uh, this you know would you want this burden or would you not want this burden? Depending on how much you love the company and respect what they're doing. And you know, Andrew buying Tesla for me, Tesla is a company that I like highly respect. Uh, but yeah, I'd want to go in and look and see if they're actually making money or if they're just making cool cars and eventually they're gonna you know fizzle out and you know kind of they're not or their business you know maybe their their vision's great but their financial guy behind the scenes is like a freaking idiot mm-hmm. you know and i want to know that before purchasing the entire company for myself become the new elon musk oh yeah he, a, a lot of times that when, when i was in the 360 fund like the uh kids would get up to a presentation and then they'd just be pummeled with questions from uh, from everyone else. You know, like, mm-hmm. how does this company make money? Or, you know, how old is the uh, the CEO? That was always one, like, out of left field. 
Because yeah, if it's like some oil company that's just raking in money, you know, or one of these new like the gas gas shale companies that yeah. like drills through the shale, makes crazy profit. Oh, the fracking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like who who's running it? What happens if this CEO retires in the next five years, you know, or next year? What's going to happen to the value? So those are all things that you just you want to get comfortable with and be able to answer before you put your hard earned money into a stock. That's that's good advice. That's real good advice. Patrick, thank you for being on. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for reaching out to us via email. And thank you for coming on and being very well-spoken on a podcast. Absolutely. You keep putting it out, I'll be there. Excellent. Guys, thank you to everybody who hung out with us today. And remember, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, please email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Who knows? You may be on the show if you want to. You'll, you'll definitely get an email from me. At the very least, at the very least. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. The reviews, you have no idea how much the reviews help us. They they rocket us to the top of the investing category in iTunes and people can – new listeners can come and learn and have fun with us and join our little community of – you know, people trying to learn about personal finance without being stuffy and without being the 1%. So uh, we always talk about a money management tool called Mint. Patrick, do you use Mint? I absolutely do. Excellent. We highly recommend it because it's free and it helps you manage your entire financial portfolio in one sweet looking app. And we have a book that we wrote and it's called Mastering Mint, which you can download uh, at masteringmint.com. If you enter the promo code podcast, you will get $5 off. That is our gift to you. $5 off. $29 to $24. Last but not least, if you want to learn more about personal finance and money management, we're always writing new stuff and posting up new episodes of this show at listenmoneymatters.com. And you can also find us at listenmoneymatters.com slash show if you want to get just the podcast and see our two giant black and white faces. So that's it. <laughs> Thanks again for hanging out with us. Patrick, thank you again for being on. Thank you. And we look forward to the next episode later, guys. Later, man.